Welcome, friends, to Radio Free Muncie, broadcasting from the back of a van somewhere in the Muncie greater metropolitan area, and your source for reviews and discussion of the Knights of the Dinner Table comic created by Jolly Blackburn, published by Kenzer & Company. So jump onto your Vespa, ride down to the games pit, crack open your dice bag, and grab a character sheet. It's game on. Do you need information about a 40-year-old game now? Then you need to listen to the Save for Half podcast, the podcast dedicated to talking about some of the oldest games out there. We make sure that you get your old-school gaming information piping hot in under an hour or your money back. Old School Gaming is a division of Old Men Screaming at Clouds. Old Men Screaming at Clouds is an affiliate company of old ladies talking to cats and wholly owned by the Mud Puppy Games Network. So we're here at the Kamek Station Charity Car Show in Muncie, Indiana. We're on the corner of North Kamek and West Jackson. We're actually right across the street at the Colonial Bread Company. Just pulled in here. They do this charity car show where the proceeds go to Toys for Tots. There we so, go. Fantastic. Well, I guess yeah. that's one reason to be here. Sorry, I'm not really a car dude. Hey, I'm not either. I'm definitely not an an old car do who picked this place this time yeah, it's just a, uh, yeah yeah it's just a cool thing what what i'm trying to what i'm trying oh, to oh yeah let's not go crazy it's it's a thing it's a thing i don't know if it's a cool thing but it's a thing well it's cool in the fact that toys for tots well that's cool yeah that suggests that we could push for like dice and pencils and stuff you know yeah, to be yeah, those toys yeah toys. I, weren't you, weren't you talking about antiquing last time? And yeah. now, and now we're at an old car show. Like, <laughs> dude, you're, you're starting to sound like a 65 year old white dude or something. <laughs> yeah. Are you turning into your parents? Like all those, co those insurance commercials turning into, I think he's, yeah. I think he's there, man. Well, speaking of our listener, I ran into a listener at Gen Con. No way. Way. Who? Who? Which? The guy by the name of Sean Mack. Oh, wow. Let's give him a shout yeah. out. So this Thanks was at Gen Con? Man. Yep. I was uh, yeah. over at the little uh, small food area outside the vendor hall. and. Wait a minute. <laughs> no way you were hanging out at a food area. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm detecting a little sarcasm. <laughs> a little, that's, a, that's some pretty deadpan sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is going to pick up on it. Okay. Yeah. It, for a second, I was like, what do you mean, though, way? <laughs> <laughs> we've already we've established that George is a lunch connoisseur. So. Yeah. Connoisseur is a little uh, extravagant, but yeah, I uh, had my arms full. I had bought a few bottles of water and coffee and that, and I needed to pack my bottles away in the bag there's a couple of guys standing at one of the tall tables and i asked if they mind sharing the table for a moment so as you do at gen con you just start talking to people and i mentioned that uh, i had a shift in about an hour so he's like oh yeah what, which company are you with like kendra and company oh man i love nights at the dinner table he just started going on and on about that and i waited said do you realize there's a podcast right now oh man i love those guys those guys are hilarious 
Like, oh, thank you. Oh, man. That's crazy. So, yeah. So, shout out to Sean Mack. Awesome. Thanks for listening. It's good to talk to you. So, Gen Con, George is a, you know, meets a, meets a cool guy. He, another big Gen Con happening. Jolly rolls out the all-color edition of Bag Wars. Yep. Just like, yeah. wow. And I didn't get one. I didn't either. Dude, I went into the vendor hall. I had a game Thursday morning, so I didn't get into the vendor hall like right when it opened. Um, and I think I went by the Kenzer booth around maybe one. Yeah, they, one or, maybe they one or two. sold out quickly. They were all gone already. And that jerk didn't even set one aside for me. Oh, Can you man. believe that? Yeah, he didn't think people would want to pay the 30 bucks for one, and they flew off the shelf like hotcakes. No, yeah, they went really fast, man. Well, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you can get one off the website. I believe they're still on there. I'll put a yep. link in the show notes. Are those printed though? Are those hard copies? I thought they were only PDFs. No, the I think they're hard put, copies. Yeah, yeah, he put the print copy up this uh, past week. Let me look here. Oh, and it print on demand. Bagwar special edition full color. We offered this full color special edition. At Gen Con, it was meant to be a one-off, but those who couldn't attend the show or arrived late to secure a copy cried foul, oh, so uh, you could order it direct from Lulu now. Yeah, I did whine about it quite a bit to him. I got <laughs> yeah, our, our friend uh, Eric Lopez snatched the last one. Ah, that dude. Son of a- our buddy Woo Man. So, Gen Con, any, any other exciting happenings you guys want to talk about? Um, it's not KOD. Well, it is kind of KOD2 related. Are you guys familiar with the name Timothy Zahn? Who? Timothy Zahn. Oh, of course we know who Timothy Zahn yeah. is, dude. Come on. Yeah, man. just making sure. Yeah, his uh, his son showed up at the booth. And he was on the phone with his dad to pick up uh, back issues he didn't have because uh, Timothy Zahn's a huge KODT fan. And I just commented, hey, let your dad know I love his novels and that. He's like, here, talk to him. So I got to talk to Timothy Zahn on the phone for a few minutes. Awesome. Dude, if you go to some smaller cons, he was at one, I think it might have been Mid-South Con that we mentioned before. And um, he was there at the, uh, he had a booth and he had his new book oh, out nice. and everything. And I, he's a super, super nice oh, guy. Yeah. I, mean, I, I chatted with him for like 15 minutes because at the time my son was, you know, kind of toying with writing. I mean, he was a little kid, but um. I was, you know, he gave me like advice about how to encourage my son to write oh, nice. more and stuff like that. Now he's a really, really yeah. nice guy. I got to meet him very briefly at Gen Con 2001. He was at a booth with uh, Michael Stackpole, another Star Wars author, and Shannon Baxa, who posed for the uh, Decipher CCG Mara Jade card. Oh, wow. Cool. But otherwise, Gen Con was okay i mean i mean obviously it's fun going to gen con saw great uh the gamers improv show we oh nice me and andy and becca my two friends we go to gen con together a lot and uh we went to see that that was really super fun gotta say though especially because um i think i mentioned how great the games i played at origin were uh, games at Gen Con, super disappointing. Uh, uh, really, I think I think um, out of the eight games or so that we played, there was one or two that were good, which is bummer. which is okay. I mean, it kind of sucks when you're sitting there, but you know, I always come back um, after those games and I and I think like, oh man, I uh, 
I got to change some things. Right. Yeah. And like, um, and Wes, you've seen this because of our Thursday campaign. One, one thing we, we tried playing, um, several games that were more like role-playing focused and, um, cause I've been feeling like D and D, you know, we're playing D and D five right now. And I've been feeling like it's starting to feel kind of like a skirmish game a lot. And yeah, you know, so I wanted to, I wanted to play, um, some more role-playing focused games. And the thing is this dude in this one game, actually happened in a couple games but he's like throwing these names out all over the place oh there's this guy and they're related to this guy and this person and this woman is a vassal of oh and we're like what the heck are you talking about bro yeah so like now in roll 20 you notice i'm putting like all the all these npcs because our games yeah. are a little sandbox i'm putting the npcs with pictures so you know to remind people who they are um so i always pick stuff like that up even if it's not a great game i always like to say well okay is this something i'm doing too you know yeah um, you just kind of pick up on what not like you could create a wiki man yeah. yeah so i know exactly what you're saying yeah that's cool and from some of the bad games you can learn what not to do in your game yeah yeah now like the thing is though all that stuff falls apart if the players are just oh, showing up right showing up for the game and don't think about it in between like at all right like because dm's already doing a lot of work so yeah. Um, if players want games like that, then they need, you know, you get back what you put in. Yeah. I'm, I'll just leave it at that, right? If, if you want to show up and not know what's going on and not have any role playing and, and kind of everybody's looking down at their phone every week, that's probably because the players are not spending any time away from the table, even thinking at all about the game. And then they show up and they're like, well, I don't really know what's going on. Well, yeah, you know, there's probably a reason for that, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to, I'll just leave it at that. I'm going to be doing a lot of bitching about players later on in this podcast because of the subject matter. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, yeah. Right oh some good ones. Yeah, Man, my some... copy of Bag Wars is getting raggedy. Yeah, mine's MIA. Luckily, I've got the PDF on my phone here. So speaking of awesome conventions, I didn't get to go to Gen Con like some people. It's because you're a punk. But I did Boo. get to go to a small local comic convention. Yeah. Wes, Wes the, the guy with a table full of comic books at the antique show doesn't yeah. count as a comic convention. It's basically, I, that's basically what it was. <laughs> I can't believe a, that. A bunch of people selling comics. And there, there were some people dressed up. Two people doesn't count as a bunch. People selling dice and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. uh, issue 50 or something, you know just so happens the only nights of the dinner table in the whole place i mean i probably looked at 10 different vendors maybe maybe a little more than that the only one in the whole place was nights of the dinner table number six. Oh wow the yeah. one we just covered the one wow, we just that's covered. awesome man. yeah it's yeah. the only one they got it was like uh i think i paid like 15 bucks for it it's a it's a pretty decent copy too, and it's yeah. so this is, I this is the uh, the smallest number I have in my collection now. I think before that I was in the thirties or something. Well, years I, ago I had number two, but it's it's long gone. But so now number six that's my that's my lowest number. I have a I have a four, but George gave it to me. Oh, which one is it? The uh... it's the Kenzer one. Yeah, George. George had an extra one and he gave it to me. Awesome. George is a George is a shrewd businessman. He he buys high and then gives it away. 
<laughs> he's a very generous man. So many books over the years, man. And I'm like, wow, thanks. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's not always about the money. Sometimes I'd rather see friends that will care for it have something than sell it to somebody who's just going to try to resell it for a profit. Yeah, no, I yeah, know exactly. What you mean. Yeah. So, anything else on uh, random news updates or recent events? No, I uh, think that's, that's it. it. That's probably it. Yeah. So, let's go to feedback and messages. First, let's talk about Jolly feedback. The only thing I've seen from Jolly is he confirmed that Pizza King equals Pizza A Go Go, and and if uh, if you're not familiar, it they have little telephones at the booths at Pizza King, and you can pick them up and like call other booths. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I I mean I've never yeah. heard of Pizza King or. Yeah, it's one of the kind of little now, interesting facts about it. Well, now, when you posted the link to the previous show, he did comment that he needs to catch up. So yeah. that's probably why we've not gotten a whole lot of feedback from him lately, because he's slacking. I.e., he's quit listening, which is fine. Well, and of course, with, with Gen Con coming up, there's uh, he had a lot going on to knock out, some, knock out the uh, 307 and then get... Uh, get stuff ready for the con. I, I've noticed that it, it seems like the individual issues he tends to dig in, especially the older ones, like we're going one yeah. or two. I think that excites him. Bag Wars, he's kind of giving us his feedback on Bag Wars. I mean, if and we... It, it's all Bag Wars. It's, yeah, it's all Bag Wars. So we do a, a... If we do an episode on, you know, two strips out of Bag Wars, he might or might not have something to say, but... I feel like once he listens to episode 16, number six, uh, he'll, he'll definitely have some notes for us. So yeah. look forward to that. Yeah. So as far as other listener feedback, this is the exciting part I was uh, <laughs> getting to is I'll, last episode we said, hey, we need voicemails. For goodness sakes, will anybody out there leave us a voicemail? And uh, Matthew John Bates message me on Facebook or message the show and said, Hey, just so you know, I went on to Spotify to try to leave you guys a message and it's making me like sign up for an account and everything. So that may be why. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably why we're not getting any, somebody clicks on that. And I think he even had an older account and it wouldn't take it or something like he couldn't leave it. So, so what I did was I started looking for like a third party, like, okay, we don't, we can get a voicemail through anywhere. And there, there is a site that seemed to be the consensus amongst uh, cheapskate podcasters called SpeakPipe. So there is now two links in the show notes. One link goes to our Spotify voicemail, just like normal. The other one goes to our SpeakPipe voicemail. And for SpeakPipe, you just type a name in and start recording and then save it and that's it and it sends us an email with a link and then we can go download your mp3 of your voicemail so if you want to leave a voicemail and you've tried before or you clicked on it and you saw the spotify and you were like screw this noise i'm not fooling with this click on the speak pipe it's easy yeah and unfortunately though there's at least one joker who's leaving us 
messages under alternate names and we're gonna get you yeah we're gonna figure out who it is yeah when we find out that dude the baseball bats are coming out man i i picked (laughs) out the chain i'm gonna wrap around got my little pile of of, of nails i've already been in touch with uh, Vinny and guido yeah that dude is getting the nail bat treatment man yeah i'm gonna find him and when i find him his little fake voicemail yeah it's pretty funny but it ain't going to be funny when we figure out who you are. So speaking of voicemails, we have five voicemails. And to be, uh, so, and, and one lady, actually, her name's Jennifer from California. She actually left us a, a message on the Spotify. So she went above and beyond there. Oh, wow. But, nice. Yeah, wow. yeah, pretty cool. So I'll play these one at a time. So this first one, this I think this was technically the very first voicemail that we got. So let me play this. This is Matthew John Bates, August twelfth. It's a it's very close between Matthew John Bates and and Jennifer. But let's we'll play it here. Well, here's your first voicemail. You guys do a pretty good podcast. You know, and that's all the validation I need. It's <laughs> made it all worthwhile. It's made it's it like all. We've been begging for voicemails though, and now we're kind of trashing the first one. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. We appreciate <laughs> we're it. Such dicks, man. And not only that, I appreciate him chiming in and letting me know, hey, here's why you're not getting voicemails. So I was able to fix it. So really, uh, uh, his message is the reason we have any voicemails except Jennifer. She actually went into Spotify and I will play her message right now. Hi, this is Jennifer from California. Um, I just wanted to let you know how much we're enjoying your podcast and uh, listening to all of the different things that we hadn't noticed originally and we're definitely going to have to go back and start reading and looking at the covers again. Have a wonderful day. So yeah, so we're at uh, this is cool. We're inspiring folks to go back and reread. I'm hearing this time and time again. I hear the old issues are flying off the shelves. Are they really? I think that's so. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's the thing I liked about this. Cause usually when I read stuff, I'm reading it like for the experience of reading it. I don't dig into it. And it's kind of, I, I actually do like going back and really yeah, it's, pick part though. And it's neat taking a closer look at the covers like you started doing right at the beginning there. Yeah. And at uh, Gen Con, I was passing out a bunch of KODTs and letting people know that they can get all of the back issues on PDF. And a lot of them were surprised and like, Hey, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. You can get all of the back issues. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if we, I think our next single issue would be seven Mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll have to reach out. I have to grab the PDF for that one because I, I don't have the bot. You know, I'll probably, I'll probably get the bot and the uh, individual issue. But, uh, well, anyway, though. Anyway, cool. We got two two people tied for our first uh, voicemail ever. Thank you for, and and um, Matthew John Bates. We were not like picking on you. We, we were just, <laughs> we were yeah. just, you know, we're, we're just happy yeah. people are enjoying us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so we got a couple of more. If you guys are familiar with uh, Nate Sims, he is the. Oh, I'm familiar with. That. <laughs> one person in the world I dislike more than Scott Schwartz 
It's Nate Sims. Hey, whatever he said that happened in that basement at Gen Con is a lie. Oh, oh yeah, you were in the same, you were in the house with him, right? The Kenzer house? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Nate Sims, friend of the show, he's got, <laughs> he's got, he just started a YouTube channel, Nate Games, where he talks about. Oh, uh, did he? Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, so I'll put a link in the show notes. It's pretty cool. Like, he did, he did a whole series on Gen Con. Yeah, he does game reviews. He's talking about uh, his upcoming game, Invasion Earth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's it's N8 Games. He's he's paying us for this promotion. He's paying spot, us right? for this promotion. He better be. I don't want to give Nate anything for free. Screw that guy. He sent me a dollar. This is Nate Sims, and I'm a friend of Scott Schwartz, and I don't <laughs> like you guys selling his name. So uh, I'm going to need y'all to retract that or something. Or, or make Steve, like, put his foot in his mouth or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Scott Schwartz is a cool dude. Yeah. So, Steve putting his foot in his mouth. We're pretty much guaranteed of that happening at some point during every episode. I'll say this. Compared to Nate Sims, Scott Schwartz is awesome. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Scott Schwartz. What the hell do you mean I'm lazy? This is Scott Schwartz, and I am offended. I'm leaving a message for you now while I'm driving through the rain listening to your podcast because of all the shit that you guys are giving me. All right. Uh, we finally got through. You know, if we've reached one person. You know, but look at all the effort we had to expend, like, to get to go. Like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't have been that hard, Scott. Shouldn't have been that hard. No. <laughs> He's driving in the rain. Oh, I love Scott. He's great. <laughs> All right. So now we've got a mystery voicemail. We don't know who this is, but we're going to find out. Oh, yeah. this We're going to find out this yeah. one. Dude. We're going to hunt you down. Hey, yeah, this is uh, Sam Sanderson. From uh, I live over on South Perkins and Ninth. Uh, I just want to know if you're the guys that keep uh, driving around my neighborhood in a, that piece of shit van. Yeah, we are. Dog. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to stop it. <laughs> my little, my little spot is bouncing around like a damn spidey monkey on energy drinks <laughs> when you guys drive through. Now this is your final warning. Ooh, final yeah. warning, huh? My nephew is a clerk at the police station, so don't, don't make me get the law involved. <laughs> I don't know if this guy realized it, but, like, you don't have to have a clerk at the police station to get the law involved. You can just call the police. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe that's why we've seen uh, these police cruisers kind of following us around yeah. here. It does seem like it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not only was it our final warning, but it was our first one. Yeah, yeah, first and final. This guy gets right to it, doesn't he? Like, yeah, he ain't playing around. Yeah, he ain't playing around. He he probably would have. Well, anyway, yeah. No, but it's awesome. It's awesome getting some voicemails, man. It's really exciting. Yeah, yeah we really appreciate it, folks, taking the time. Uh, hopefully it becomes a regular thing. I, I enjoy listening to those, playing them on the, on the show. The Straps. Up. Bag Raiders, best played plans. Yeah. So all these all these strips now are called the Bag Raiders, right? With a subtitle, at least. So these all, all came, right. didn't they come out of bots? Like it was 
like at the bat, this bonus trip in a bot was like bag raiders, and then it was like a strip. I don't know because I don't really read the bots, man. God, we we read the uh, the original issues. Yeah. So this is coming right off the heels of the Jackson document. So to catch the listener up, Brian gets his hands on the copy of the Jackson document and formulates a plan as we pick up Bag Raiders' best laid plans. So, yeah, so it starts out, we're like, I don't know, where are we, like a couple weeks later? They want to get back into it. The BA basically kicked their butts. They got they got their butts kicked, and then they went and they did. They went and got the Jackson document, right? Yeah. Like, yep. and now at this point, um, well, let's yeah. just get yeah. it. Yeah. So BA, BA wants to move on. BA thinks yeah. it's over. He's like, I want my game back. We've been doing this for six weeks. Let it go. Let's let's continue, right? And of course, they're like, oh, hell no, this is not over by a long shot. It's personal now. You know, and the, you know what I thought about when I was seeing this is like, this isn't about the game at all at this point. This is about no. who wins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I used to have a boss, um, and now he's like, he's not my boss anymore. He's more like a peer now, but he, we would be in meetings and it'd be a little bit contentious. We're trying to figure something out. And he would, sometimes he would stop and he'd say, all right, is this about, coming to a good conclusion or is this about winning right because people get in their trenches and that's where they're at like neither side ba can say he wants his camp but all he has to do is give him something and move on it's like you know i'm talking about darkness rising and in, in the, at the end of darkness rising there's a big blow up and this one of the characters named cass gets pissed off and comes back and his way of apologizing he says well if i win the story ends but i want it to go on and you could think of that as like the game story, but it's really their friendship, right? I mean, that's the subtext. And like, so he's saying, I don't care about winning or being right. I just want to continue gaming with you guys, right? Yeah. And that's where these guys are at. Like, they can't get over this who wins and just go back to gaming and having fun. Yeah. So, well said. It's all pretty toxic. Toxic. Pretty, pretty bad. Yep, Brian says they uh, met yesterday to work out all the details of their new plan. Plan. Yeah, he's like, for the love of God, he gets the little shaky marks on him. Yeah. Like he's got PTSD, you know, he's like, oh, no, what's this new plan? But this would be super stressful playing in a game like this. Yeah, this would yeah. not be fun. I don't think this wouldn't be fun for me. Yeah, he says, all right, what's your damn plan? Then he's like, to, we're not giving the plan to the enemy. <laughs> I love uh, Dave's comment. Did Pancho Villa lay out his invasion plans before Stonewall Jackson on the eve of the Battle of New Orleans? <laughs> Dave, is, yeah. Dave is so stupid, man. <laughs> Dave is like the classic Dunning-Kruger effect example. <laughs> he thinks he's so smart. Well, that happens a lot with a lot of these people, but thinks he knows it all. Is so confident, so confident, but just so dumb. <laughs> yeah, and Sarah's like, careful dave you're in over your head <laughs> a little bit yeah. yeah the thing that gets me is you know you see ba shaking he's off his game he's not thinking straight because what he should say is right, right as they get into this and they start talking about blah 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 he should say like 
yeah, you read the Jackson document. Your character doesn't know any of this, well, so I yeah. don't want to hear it. I'm going to get into a lot of that yeah. because that that's the bottom line, right? And I actually have a note in my – the line in my notes is bolded, and it says – at this point, tell our listener that they may want to skip the rest of the episode because it's just going to be me saying the same shit over and over and over again. Because <laughs> like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat a horse to death here, and I'm gonna continue beating that dead horse <laughs> and continue beating it because it's such, so bad, man. Even BA, let's like this is a whole winning thing. So he's shaking in the one frame, but then two frames later, he's yeah. pissed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and like Jolly, like. I, I love some of the comments that people have made to Jolly over the years about his art, about how it's not very, you know, you can compared only take to like so far. Yeah, it can only it can only take you so far because your art, you know. But Jolly's art style is actually very, very expressive. Yeah, and you can see yeah. like what these characters are thinking just from the way their faces look, man, and the yeah, the timing absolutely. of it is and the little great. and the little lines that make him look like he's shaking. That's what I mean. Like those little, like those little details. And BA's pissed. So it, yeah. it took one frame for BA to be like, go from, well, oh, no, to, okay, mother. You know, like, yeah. let's do yeah. Now, what, one thing I noticed that has nothing to do with the story itself is they just sat down to start playing and he wants to get on to the campaign. But look at the table. It's already laid out like there's a big battle going on. It's like a war game table. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, they, they, they definitely strayed into war game territory, even, even them saying the enemy and, and plans and because DM gets to know your plans, yeah. right? You can't, you can trick an NPC. You cannot trick the DM. Those are two different things. Exactly. You can lie yeah. to an NPC. You cannot lie to the DM. It's just like your character can roll a knowledge check to understand something that the player is never going to figure out. You can't like, this is not role-playing at this point. This is right. something else, right? Yeah. And we get to the next page and um, Sarah's like, I'm sorry, cousin, but uh, I've got to agree with the rest of the guys. We're not going to yeah, show all, all our in. cards just yet. Too much going on. So Sarah's kind of a study in contradictions in this one. At this point I'm reading this and I'm like, yep, there goes Sarah. There goes Sarah just giving in in whatever. She's down with the power gaming stuff, right? But then later on, there's a big fight that's kind of interesting that we'll get to. Where right. She kind of flip-flops and becomes like a real role player again. So, I don't know. I don't know. She's kind of back and forth. So, they, they talk uh, just a little bit of smack back and forth before uh, Brian's like, all right, let's get on to the first order of business. They're taking every magical container and inventory and piling them up on the table. And then he starts going on this oh, big list. Can we go back just for a second? Yeah. I, I do want to ask this one question. So Sarah says there's too much at stake. What's at stake, really? Yeah. Her temple. They agreed yeah. to build oh, a temple. Yeah. They agreed to build a temple for her character. That you know they're not going to build anyway. Yeah, because even Brian says, did we actually shake on that? <laughs> right, right. But but not, and not only that, what deity does she worship that would think it's okay to slaughter a bunch of, frankly, oppressed and abused people who are just trying to get on with their life so that she can have a temple, right? 
So this is Sarah not being a very good person. Yeah, I, I completely overlooked that part of it. Yeah. All right, so I'll let you go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I let you move on before I said it, and then I pulled you back. I oh, that's no, no problem there. So they start naming off all these different types of bags of holdings they have, and the list just goes on and on. The next page we find out uh, somewhere here, I think they've got 42 of them. 43? I thought it was 43 because 43. they had 42 already rolled. Yeah, it comes up. But, dude, as soon as they dump those bags on the table... I'd be like, this is over. This is done. It's player knowledge. It's player knowledge. Yeah. And not to mention, what kind of DM lets a group have that well, many? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I've, have, have I mentioned that BA is kind of a shitty DM? I, th- I think like, he, I think like, it may have come out once or, once or 15 times. So, so B, his campaign's completely out of control. His players here are clearly, like you said, what? Clearly, this is player knowledge. And I want to I want to point something out that there's a distinction here, right? Because because this comes up with the whole talk about fairness later on. There's one thing to talk about player knowledge of rules, right? Like if if the DM applies a rule, the players can apply the rule. Everybody gets to know the rules, all that. That's fine. But this is setting specific information, right? This is not about the rules. This is about how the game works in in that in that setting. And I think BA here basically opened the door that he can use any knowledge he has as a DM to thwart them. That's yeah. It. And that's fair. Now we're gonna see how this plays out because BA is a shitty DM. I love the look on Dave's face in that second panel on this page where they start, they're going to see which container if everything falls out. And Dave's like, is it starting to sink in? He's got, oh man, I fucked these guys up so bad, man. Yeah, I've been trying to avoid the F bombs a little bit. They're going to come out with this one, man. Yeah. I'm going to be a big, I'm going to put on my, I'm a DM hat and I hate all players. (laughs) And, then it's and like we talked about Jolly's facial expressions in one panel. He's like, I don't know what the hell you think you're going to accomplish. He's looking all pissed off, and the very next one dawns on him. Just him oh, there, yeah. like, oh shit! And how could he not know what they're doing? Like he's he's saying, okay, don't panic. They're just stabbing in the dark. How specific would their actions have to be to not be them just stabbing in the dark? Like this is a pretty accurate stab. Yeah, right? like it's like. <laughs> It's like backstabbing a book because it's got a spine. You know what this reminds me of, though, um, is, I mean, players have, actually, in my campaigns, I'm pretty lucky. I haven't really had too much trouble with this, just once or twice. But in the past, I saw it a lot, even when some of the people who play with me now were younger. But it's like in Gamma World. You know, in Gamma World, you find an artifact, and that artifact is just a thing. It's like that everybody knows what it is. They had to create all these rules to prevent players from just knowing, like you right. got to describe it weird and all this kind of thing. Um, but but players also will do this with things like how to start a business or like like how, how to do different things that their players would know. Even to the point of if you've got a character with a low intelligence who isn't educated and he grew up on a farm or he's been a fighter his whole, or you know whatever. They're pretty good with money. Like they're really good with money. They really they like 
they can count the super high numbers and do math and they can evaluate the cause. That's all player knowledge, really. Yeah. Nobody ever yeah. plays a really dumb character. Ever. Like ever. That's a good point. Sorry, I'm lecturing. No, no, that's, lecture. good. that's one of the things we do is compare the comic to our real games. Oh uh, yeah, right here for it says forty three items. Forty three, because they were they were doing forty two. They had rolled for forty two, and it all came down to one roll. Yep. Yeah. Which is great. That's a sign of a good game. It comes down to one roll, right? And there, here's where uh, Brian confesses that uh, he did obtain a copy of the so called Jackson document. And of course, and BA, right there. Yep. Right there. That's it. That's player knowledge. Then it has nothing to do with. And does yeah. BA even say? You can't, it doesn't matter, it's player knowledge. I don't think he really does until like much later. Of course, at first he uh, denies its existence until uh, Brian says that he actually held a copy of it in his hand. Now, so BA says he's ready to blackball whoever gave it to him. Tell me who yeah. they are. They'll never DM in this town again, right? And then what does Brian do? Brian lies right to his face. Yeah. He, he lied directly to him. And then... Saying that Pete wasn't involved. Pete definitely wasn't involved, and I can't reveal my sources. Bullshit. He's lying right to his face, right? And he says Pete was tired in a steel drum. Pete was a lot of things. He wasn't tight like a steel drum. No. At all. No. But then Brian says, I kept my credentials up, so it's okay that I saw it. Except that he's sharing it, and he's trusting... B.A. not to betray him because he's a friend, but he's right. betraying B.A. to do yeah. this whole thing. He betrayed, like, in so many ways, he's betraying B.A.'s trust um, to do this. And then he's relying on B.A. being a decent person that he is not to not get in trouble and lose his GM credentials and be blackballed and all that kind of stuff. Right, because B.A. even says, I wouldn't do it to a friend and you know it, and I suppose you're counting on that. Exactly. But Brian would do it to a friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's doing it right right to his face. Of course, B.A. tells him that none are type two anyway. He says, oh, so you've got notes on all of that stuff. Staying that. Now, here, here's where B.A. could have nipped it in the butter right here. He could have said, I didn't put notes on it because none of the others were. I only have notes on the ones that actually are type two. Or, you know, you know what else? Because, yeah, that's, that's a good tack. That's what a good DM would do, right? Or he could have said, you don't get to see my notes. Oh, absolutely. And, and if you don't like it too bad, because last time you audited my notes, you betrayed, you like use that against me. I'd be like, you don't get to see my notes. Yeah. And I yeah. say there are none. So and the audit came up perfectly clear. Well, but regardless, he when he, sh when he played by those rules before, he got totally screwed over yep. and he knows it now at this point, he knows somewhere in that whole thing. And he even, I think he even said it. It's like, Oh, it was the audit. Like he nailed it. And that's where, that's why I say Brian is bald face lie right to his face. And and here, I think if he, you see, and this is the thing, BA lets them play one game. Like he's bringing a knife to a gunfight and he should just be like, this isn't in-game stuff anymore. This is like, you don't get to see my notes, and I say it's, they're not. Too bad. It's just, it's your problem, not mine. You know?
Yeah, because even yeah. says right Told here. Told you I was going to beat this horse, man. <laughs> huh? Yeah, he even, he even says in the last panel of the page that I don't need to annotate because I know they're all type 1. I wouldn't have even said that. Yeah. I would have said that's what I say. What I annotate and what I don't annotate is none of your effing business. You know? That's right. Yeah. Hell yeah. DM's got to stand up, man. That's right. That's right. Freaking players. Then Brian ah, brings players. up the rules of fair play. Oh, here we go. Norman Bowser again. Thank you, Norman Bowser. He's the yeah. best. He's the best. Yeah. So, but here, like, the example Brian gives is about rules. Yep. About a DM applying rules that were kind of unfair and then saying a player can't use those same rules. This is not that situation at all. And we, we're in the next few strips, we see Brian doing this over and over again. He's like a lawyer. In fact, I was... I was joking. Uh, I was thinking to myself in my head. I wasn't joking. I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder how much Dave influenced these. Because Brian's really coming off like a real lawyer here. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to work with lawyers. And they are very good at presenting their argument and kind of ignoring the things that don't match their argument and doing it super confidently and calmly and everything. And BA is acting more like somebody who is not used to doing that. And he's getting yeah. flustered and he's arguing the the... He's reacting to their arguments instead of making his own argument. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Brian's abusing that because this is not a question about the rules. This is a question about the setting and whether or not they would know how a bag works. That's in game. Yeah. So how is there a hack? Hackcon Saginaw. That's in Michigan. That's the, that's where the hard eight yep. headquarters in Saginaw. Is it really? I thought it yeah. was in India. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's in Saginaw, Michigan. Oh, huh. man, that's cool. Am, am I right? Is that right, George? I don't know. That'd be I good, don't know. That'd be a good trivia question. I think I'm right, but we, for we any could, of you guys out there. We'll have to look that up later. Yeah. Of course, he starts uh, just, Brian starts rambling on about the rules of fair play and the, uh, the case of Bowser versus Saginaw and all that stuff, and Finally, it's like, I, I don't, just give me the summary. So Bay says, uh, basically, you decided that Beringer's bag was type 2 variety because it clearly gave him an advantage. But by introducing the concepts of the JDoc as optional rules into the campaign, the rules of fair play clause came into play as well. All right. Yeah. So now here, that, Brian may have a point. Yeah, that, that's a hundred, like you said, that's a hundred percent lawyer speak right there. Oh, yeah. He may have a point. But remember a few episodes ago, and we were talking about when did BA decide that this was a type 2 MSD? Because it's not really clear, right? Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, as soon as they had those people walking into that bag, a hundred and some, well, actually hundreds of soldiers and all this stuff, as soon as it went into that bag, that should have been a clue. So I right. think BA did know that this was that type of storage device because he let all that stuff happen. So either he didn't understand the way a bag of holding works, which is it's fairly small inside, or he knew this. I think he probably knew it because he does know the rules pretty well. Right. Yeah. And he had, he obviously had the Jackson document long before then. Right. Because so, it's, I mean, been, it's so. been a myth or a rumor in the, in the circles for, years so why didn't he just shut brian down here and be like no i did it was specified and once again i have to show you my notes 
They're my notes, not yours. Yep. But but Brian comes across sounding kind of reasonable, and he's very good at just stating things, stating his side. I mean, it's not quite gaslighting. I'm not sure exactly what you call what he's doing. It's not really gaslighting because that would be like telling a, a lie that is and acting like it's the truth no matter what. But this is more like he's say, stating his side and just omitting that other stuff. Maybe that is gaslighting. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, it's attack. Then, then uh, he uh, he brings up the whole friendship thing again. He's like, uh, we need to check each one. Otherwise, you're in violation of HMPA standards. I'm not suggesting we involve them. Like he said, we're friends. I'd like to think we can remedy it in-house, which they couldn't do with the original notes. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had the audit. Right on, man. Yes. BA should be like, no, let's audit. Let's let's br- let's go to court over this. Yeah. Let's go to court and see who's in the right here, and we'll see what happens to your GM credentials, Brian, and we'll see who comes out on top of this. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure it doesn't say anywhere in any of the rules in the Muncieverse that a DM has to show their notes to the players or justify right. their notes to the player, right? But this is BA just backing off. He's getting mad because he feels like he's losing and not just looking at his own position and realizing how strong it is. So right here is when BA figures it out that they want to enter bag world through another bag and launch an attack on Behringer from inside. Now, BA in the middle frame here on, on this one, he kind of spells it out for me. He's warning him, even though he doesn't really follow through effectively later on, but he says bag world is huge. You guys don't know how big it is. Things could be thousands of miles apart. Like what I would have done, I'd have them land like 200,000 miles away from Behringer. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Knock yourself out, tough guy. He can do anything he wants now. Or hell, he could even have them land in the very next bag zone, but when they leave the bag zone, they go the wrong direction. Well, they're going to address that. They're going to address oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got do. some problems. With, I got some problems with that. So, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah let's get into it here. So, uh, oh, like when we get to it, or you want to, you want to, yeah, yeah, just when we get to it, yeah, I don't want to jump, but I got some issues with, with their so plan. Yeah, he tells them they, they're not going to know how to reach it. Bob almost spills the beans. That shows what you know. We've got a way to, like, yeah. shut up, Bob, you're blowing it. Oh, sure. Never mind. Dave, it's funny that Dave was smart enough to realize he's, he should shut up. Usually Dave doesn't notice that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. But B.A. is basically setting it up here that he could – there's lots of ways he could get him, and he's not yeah. going to do it. You right. know, like like we've even talked about uh, when we're talking about the Jackson document, how – who knows what's in the bad world? Who knows what kind of horrible yeah. stuff could be in there, right? I mean, there was this science fiction um, – maybe it was a story or it could have been a game. I kept thinking it was Star Frontiers, like the backstory for how the setting came. But, I, but anyway, it's about how like humans go out into space – and they're like, oh, we're awesome. We're like, we're building our empire and everything. And then they bump up against an empire that's been around for like a billion years or something. And they find out that they're just these little guys and yeah. they get their asses kicked, right? Like, Bag Wars could totally be like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you, you, they don't know what's in there. And there's nothing in the Jackson document that says this is what's in Bag World. That's why BA, BA is really holding all the cards in all the comics. He's just too stupid to realize it. And then, of course, it wouldn't be much fun to read if be right. Too right, smart. exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. That's that's, that's true, part yeah. of the love of the comic is yeah. just like I let tell people when they're passing out free comics is about this gang group and all their shenanigans and hijinks at the table and away from the table and 
if it wasn't for that sh- that stuff, the comic wouldn't be worth reading. That's no, that's what makes it fun. So. Exactly. Now, B and BA at the bottom. I wish I could like be BA's DM mentor sometime. Oh yeah. And, and Brian does this again, and I, I wanted to call this out because Brian does this again. He says maybe you have a valid point. Like they give they give in to Brian. They like concede. And it makes Brian look like he's, it justifies this horrible stuff that Brian's doing. It justifies his gaslighting and his lying and his partial truth. And we're going to see this again, even more clear. But everybody else at the table is, well, not everybody else. B.A. and Sarah are at their core nice people. I give Sarah a lot of shit, but she's a decent person. But Brian is not. Right. Brian's like a sociopath, right? Because a sociopath will never, in their own heart of heart, in their will admit that they are wrong at all. And BA right. here is willing to say, well, okay, maybe you got a point. And which maybe, is something Brian would never do. And maybe you don't. Well, but he, he's giving him that 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 opening, right? Yep. He's saying, well, maybe he's allowing some uncertainty. There is no uncertainty in Brian's mind. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Even when he gives in, he he's right. Right. So he agrees to let them roll for every bag. Which, if you think about it, a 5% chance, that's 1 in 20, right? There's 43. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a pretty good chance they're going to have at least one. Again, what what DM would let their group have 43 bags of holding of various types? (laughs) Yeah, fanny pack and a chest. But this is... Like, I mean, the, these types of things are basically utility items. Right. Right. Like, nobody wants to deal with enc- encumbrance and all that shit. And, and um, everybody wants to be like a video game. Um, in fact, I think some video games now do a better job with limiting what you can carry than uh, than people do in. Yeah. A lot, of them they, a lot of them, they got so many squares that you can have stuff in. Some items take up several squares. Some take up one. Or by weight or whatever yeah. and in, in role-playing games i mean sometimes like people are hauling around five shields and three suits of armor and six pole arms and five magic swords and blah, you know what i mean yeah, you yeah. need you need nod with, with you to carry all that shit oh i can finish the belch all right cool so we get to the dice yep brian suggests bob roll because he's the hottest roller when did Bob become their roller? I that like stood out to me too. Uh, last episode, when the pirate one, he was, but I can't think of any other time that he was. And this takes you, place long after that. You know what though? Like Bob, there Bob did have his moments. Like the, there was like the the it takes a thief thing where the chalice was like in the middle of the rug and he rolled up the rug and all that and. Uh, like Bob has had his moments. I mean, he's like yeah. angry and kind of stupid and emotional and all that kind of thing. But, um, but I don't he's know. Crafty, yeah. but he's crafty. He's like a. But yeah, that's he's got like nothing a, to do with being the hottest roller. But he, I think he does roll good, pretty regularly. You know what I mean? So, so then Bob pulls a switcheroo of intelligence here. Says, "I oh, and, the cursed oh, sisters. They never roll high." Oh, I, I do want to point. I think he did roll the critical failure in the one strip where it was like all of the, 
cascading oh, critical yeah. tables. Yep. I think he did roll that. So he, yeah, yeah not a hot roller. Where he almost <laughs> got a TPK from one fumble. From one fumble, yeah. All right, sorry, George. Go ahead. So, yeah, yeah. so Bob pulls out the unlucky sisters because uh, they haven't seen the light of day since their unlucky streak in 91. Oh, wow. 1991. Oh, man. Daisy yeah. and Daylene. I wonder if that's supposed to be Darlene, and it's a typo. I've never heard the name Daylene before. Yeah, this is Bob. Who knows? Yeah. Lowest running percentiles he's ever encountered. Nice. I just love on this page how serious these guys are about dice, man. Yeah. Oh, man, I thought you... Yeah, Dave's like, I thought you took the sledgehammer to those. Yeah, yeah. And then DA mentions virgin dice and everybody's head explodes. Like they <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what are you crazy? Even Sarah's like, I can't believe you'd even suggest such a thing, you know? Yeah, what what somebody equates it to. You don't send a soldier out with without a weapon, a zeroed weapon, and you don't you don't send a a player with virgin dice or whatever. Yeah. What's, Just a, what's a zeroed what what's a zeroed weapon? Do they mean like, like sighted, like the sighted? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, never, so finally, he, and Brian said, I should make some phone calls. Like, who's <laughs> yeah. he going to call? Dice Busters? Well, it, well in the, here's the thing. Like, this is kind of foreshadowing the whole Karen effect, right? Or kind yeah. of our, our, our way a lot of things are now, like, because this is one of the few, few times where Jolly has any politics, anything even remotely oh, political. Yeah. Where BA says it's like dealing with the NRA and gun control, and I think I think there are some parallels here, but um, but they're yeah they're outraged like any little thing that probably doesn't even matter, and they're like ah going crazy freaking out, you know. It's a slippery slope. The, yeah. slip, the slippery. Slope, you make yeah. us roll use virgin dice on this roll. What's to say that we don't come in and you're rolling all our rolls? Well, in in um in Sarah, and she might be right. Like he's exceeding his authority as a GM. I think there's some truth to that. I mean, the yeah. DM can't tell you what dice you have to use. Right. No. Right. I think that's as long as your dice are not, you know, obviously cheating dice yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny though. That's a good little moment of drama. Though. It's just that they care so much that he might yeah. be telling them they have to use certain dice. Like, no, you have to use my D20. It's like, what? <laughs> he finally gives in and says, fine, just roll the damn dice. Which gets us into the next strip. The next strip. The Bag Raiders of Dice and Men. It's such an obvious name for a strip, too. Yep. <laughs> so Bob starts his dice roll right from the beginning. I don't understand. He's always rolled. I have, I have rolled any many nat hundreds my entire life. And this is actually the part where he mentions they've gone through 42 bags yep. and failed with many nat hundreds you know, hundreds and they have one more to go and it all comes down to this one roll. And yeah. BA is not happy. He, th I th but, but he thinks he's got it finally. So that'll shut him up. Of course, as a side note, Dave's like, Dan, those dice are sweet. You want to sell them? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, if you're rolling up, especially Hackmaster, cause every stat gets a, gets a percentile. Wow. But if you go back to AD and D first, second edition, 
you get that 18 strength and you roll your initial percentile. Oh, dude. Hellfire. Yep. How many times are you dreaming that it's a double zero? Double zero. And it never freaking yep. happens. It happened to be one time and I was playing a freaking dwarf and I had to bump him down to 99 because that was the max yep. of dwarfs. <laughs> <laughs> but usually it's like a 22. Uh, you know, yeah, I, know man. I saw a lot of people with 18 100 strength. Oh, I, was yeah. in well, I saw a lot of people and, with that on their character, exactly. screen, but I never saw them roll the freaking exactly. Yeah. You know how hard it would be to roll, I and mean, we talked oh, about yeah. how hard it is just yeah, to roll the, the highest I ever saw that was like 1894, and that happened once. Yeah, of course, even, even the whole group is like, shit, it's not gonna happen. All our plans were going up in smokes, so he's getting ready to roll, and uh. Sarah stops him. Says, "Why don't you swap one of the tens die out with another ten cider, or, or the ones die?" This is a freaking genius idea. Oh man! So, of course, always the numbers guy. Brian comes in. Absolutely, that gives us a fifty percent chance. The other die will come with the result of one through five. I like those odds. That's very insightful. That rolling a ten sided die gives you a fifty percent chance of getting a one through. Five. Yeah. Yes, that is very insightful. Yeah. That's just like that saying, and um, you know that half the doctors in America graduated in lower fifty percent of their class. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but that means half of them graduated in the upper fifty percent. Yeah, so he's just oh, stating. Right. Yeah, exactly. Of course, here we go with the whole dicing again. What do you say? Mix my dice. That. Yeah, desperate times call for desperate measures, Bob. It's Daisy and Darlene. We can't separate them. <laughs> so they go right. for it. Zero three. The very so, last one. So what is the yin and yang? I, I must not understand yin and yang. Why why is swapping out the dice a yin? Because they're opposites? I, I don't know. One's good, one's, one's good. evil? Yeah, I think so. But they both have a core of the opposite in the middle of them? Like, yeah. But they got it. And, and and Dave could kiss Bob. <laughs> of course, B.A.'s basically got the, ah, shit, pissy look on his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Which, yeah, yeah obvious. So they start, uh, Sarah congratulates him. We got our alternate route. And, of course, Brian reminds them there's still a crap load of uh, pitfalls we got to avoid. And there, and there would be, you know, at least he's acknowledging that. Right. B.A. just doesn't do it very effectively. Yeah. So uh, they reveal the next part of their plan. They send a courier to Berenger to deliver a message to congratulate him on his victory. And in a token of desire for peace, they want to give him a gift. And this is, come on, yeah. The gift? Yeah. <laughs> this made me laugh. I love Jolly's deities. Like, we've talked before about the monkey god. I think we talked about that, right? I think and so. How it turned it turned him into Gibbons. Well, now this is a jade pig that they stole from the temple of the Sow God, <laughs> the Sow Goddess. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Sow Goddess. That's awesome, man. Now, now here, here's another thing where they're using player knowledge all the time. Where BA could use GM knowledge. Why the hell would Berenger accept a gift? Exactly. Or accept a gift. And as soon as they leave, send the pig, you know, a thousand miles away. Yeah. Exactly. There's so many because now if that if fair fair play, 
Yeah, fair play. EA, why would he? And, and in the next, in the next um, couple frames here, he's like, "What the hell is going on?" I wonder. Like he doesn't know, which seems like he would have a sense, right? Yeah. But he doesn't know. That's fine. But like, why wouldn't he just be like, "No, Behringer doesn't trust you. He doesn't want anything to do with you. You can take your pig and shove it." Or he immediately gets it, and destroys it. Or Wes, that's a great idea. Attach it to some animal and send it wandering off yes. into the waste. Trade it to exactly. somebody. Exactly. You know. But what I don't get is, and this was the part I was alluding to earlier, I didn't think magic worked in the bag world, except in the zone. Well, So once they got out of the zone that they went into to try to track this thing, how do they know exactly. which way to go? It should well, just quit working, right? Well, Brian admits he did not have the complete document. So Brian doesn't even know that. Ah, okay. But, but you're, Wes, you're right. Because, I mean, there's different ways to think about it. So... Do the pockets of magic have to be connected in any way? Because you've got a pocket of magic working in the in the bag of holding that they'll be carrying through the waste. And then you've got a pocket of magic in the in the bag zone where Behringer is. So depending on how you think magic works, maybe those two things can communicate, even though magic doesn't work in between uh, the two. I do believe it gets addressed. I haven't uh, reread the the final strips in this, but I do believe that does get addressed. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't know um, that it does though. Maybe, maybe, but well, I mean, to me, it'd be like if you have a radio transmitter and a radio receiver, but in the middle, there's nothing that can allow you to trans. Like they're both there's yeah. water or something that blocks radio signals. Like it doesn't matter that they're both individually working if they can't connect with each right. other. Right. Yeah. No, that's a. And the other thing, and this is where BA effed up, right? They tell them, they, they, they tell BA, well, I'll let you keep reading because I, my comment's a little bit different. I'll, I'll let you keep going. Uh, this is where uh, he uh, used the stone passage on his hand to place a ring of telelocation within the statuette. Which is such a specific Hackmaster magic item. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Telelocation. Brian must have like 400 rings, although they had 43 bags of holding. Yeah. So, yeah that's a good point. Of course, like, I don't get it. Why would you do that? And Bob's smart ass. Stupid. Hold your horse, screen monkey. I calibrate my bracer of map sense so it locks onto the signature being emitted by Brian's ring. According to the book, it should be able to pick up the signals from the ring to a range of a thousand miles. Which implies some sort of line of sight or right. ability for the signal to be transmitted, right? Exactly. Like, here's the other thing, though. BA, we've established that Bag World could be huge. BA said mm-hmm. that. They just set the limits of their ability to find this to 1,000 miles. We're going to find out how far BA puts them. But look, he could he could have put them 1,001 miles away. Yeah. Yeah, he sure could and, have. You know, it's like I tell my kids, if something isn't it. where it belongs, it could be anywhere. And the thing mm-hmm. is, they would have no idea what to do. It would, it would totally short circuit this whole thing. All he had to do was make them 1,000 miles and one foot away. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, this is when... Uh... He still doesn't get it. You want to track the pig? And then uh, Brian reveals uh, it's actually quite genius because we can enter Bag World through the fanny pack and uh, find our way to uh, Behringer. So now this next page 
First of all, what's up with Bob in that first frame? He's actually like being recon uh, reconciliatory to, uh, oh, don't be so glum, B.A. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why would this, he care, man? This is a rare time we see a front of Bob. And he's smiling. Yeah. Look at that super nice face. He looks like almost his eyes are up like, oh, no, oh, it's okay, It's BA. okay, buddy. Yeah, it's like, going to be fine. He never is talking or looking like that, ever. He would be rubbing his face in it. Oh, we got you. And here he's like, oh, don't worry, BA. You're going to have an opportunity to screw with us later. It's all good. <laughs> You'll have time to get your ducks all in a row. So this is when they pretty much reveal they plan to colonize Bagworld after they take out Behringer. No, before. I thought it was before they take out. No, our first goal, of course, is to take out Behringer. That's what Brian says in the middle. Oh, oh okay. So, so here's the thing about this page was like what we were talking about before, about how this would be a cool campaign setting. Like, this yeah. would be great. Like. They want to explore this world and maybe conquer it. I mean, you could, like I said, they couldn't conquer it, right? But, like, this is like, oh, this is an expansion of the campaign setting. This would be like, oh, this isn't so, this isn't so bad. Like, yeah. He could have, he could have his way with them in here. I mean, this would be like total oh. reset of his campaign if he played it yeah. right. right. He could move on. He, all he has to do, and the thing is, he could give them something. He could give them some kind of, but then move on, you know what I mean? Um, but he won't because he's got to win. But this is what we were talking about. This is a campaign enhancement now, if if this is really what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing B.A. could have done is when he got close to Berenger, he could shuffle Bagworld. Somebody well, yeah. did something to shuffle it. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. let them give them something, but then but then like short circuit the whole thing and then just have have his campaign move on from there you know yeah so the, the last frame i'll go ahead uh, just that the, they decide it's a good place to stop because they've got to go over their provisions list and all that and then as wes was about to say the last panel he should have thought of this like five strips ago <laughs> yeah what would gary do he would not be putting up with this nonsense i guarantee you that he would have cut this shit off at the knees yeah oh. oh yeah yeah and and nobody would have said boo about it either because he's freaking you know there's a godfather a hack like who's gonna audit his freaking dm notes you know <laughs> but ba could could channel that and he just has to he just has to yeah. man up and 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 argue his point of view and stick with it and not not give in like he just gives in you know he gives in explicitly but he also gives him gives in implicitly you know to somebody who's being completely unreasonable is not like really negotiating in good faith or arguing in good faith and he's just he gives it away and gary jackson would never do that no shit never do no. That. not at all all right well that was a kind of a short strip really wasn't it yeah. Yeah, that was a quick one. Yeah, these two strips were like 10 pages total. I think the next two were like 20 total. Yeah, the next one, the shared giver, is like six or seven pages, I think. Yeah. Has this ever happened to you? Okay, Tommy, you need to roll a 12 to hit and save the party's bacon. With my bonuses, that only makes an eight, baby. Oh, jeez, a six. 
Don't leave Critical Roles to chance. When your party is counting on you, wield the best. Choose Black Oak Workshop Dice and Accessories. With over 175 products, the family-owned and operated Black Oak Workshop's thematic and innovative designs will jazz up your game. Let's try that again, Tommy, with dice from Black Oak Workshop. Oh, Drake a Lich D20, don't fail me now. Natural 18, baby, take that, foul beast. The lone kobold succumbs to your relentless assault. The day is won. Black Oak Workshop, official dice maker for Radio Free Muncie. Home of the original adventure calendar, Black Oak Workshop, where dice are treasure. Ask your game master about the 5% experience point bonus when using Black Oak Workshop dice and accessories. Side effects from Black Oak dice may include angry dungeon masters, more critical hit, shorter combats, increased envy levels from gaming friends, excessive boredom from too much winning. So we're going to break it off here and uh, continue. What do you guys want to do? That's cool. We can do that. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Muncie. If you have a comment, you can leave it at our anchor site, or you can email us at radiofreemuncie at gmail.com. See you next time.